Hey everyone, this is Rabbi Brian. If these podcasts have been a blessing to you, will you please consider being a blessing to the nation of Haiti? Mishkan David supports two works of the Lord in Haiti. First is our orphanage, Beth Besed, which means House of Kindness, where 40 children are cared for each day, both spiritually and physically. And of course, there's our own Rabbi Peter Oliveira, who's setting Haiti ablaze by restoring it back to Yeshua, restoring it back to Torah, and to the Jewish roots of our faith in Messiah. Listen, to learn more, please visit www.torahforhaiti.org. That's T-O-R-A-H, number four, Haiti.org. There you can give a tax-deductible financial blessing and sponsor a child for only $20 a month. Hey, thanks for considering, and may Adonai bless you. Enjoy this podcast, which was recorded at our Mishkan David Shabbat service in Rhode Island. Shalom. A little over a month before our first Spanish service. I'm excited about that. Um, so as Val said correctly, uh, this, this Torah portion is a bit of a tragic Torah portion. Like everything just, um, you know, hits the f- fan. Sorry for that. And... Um, I mean, the children of Israel complained and complained. They went through, you know, years and years of, of complaining. The, there's not enough food. There's not enough water. Uh, I don't have enough meat. I got too much meat. My, my shoes hurt. My feet hurt. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. My head hurts. This, the sun is too hot. There's no shade in the, in the wilderness. Where's the food? Where's the corned beef? I want a corned beef sandwich. Where is the corn? I want cucumbers. There was cucumbers and leeks back there in Egypt. The land of milk and honey was back there. It's not here. I don't see any milk. I don't see any honey. Moses, you said that you're going to give me milk. You said you're going to give me honey. I don't see nothing. I want to go back. I'm tired of this. I got bupkis. Bupkis. You know how much milk I got, Moses? Bupkis. You know how much bupkis is? Bupkis. I'm tired, I'm sick of the intense, I'm sick of all these people. Where do I gotta poop? Where do I gotta pee? There ain't no bathrooms, there's no running water. I don't know where to, where, where to, to sleep. I don't have a mattress. Take me back to Egypt. And God has always been very faithful and very, um, very forgiving. Moses and Aaron spent a lot of time on their face, repenting, interceding. Uh, but then last week, God kind of, it, it, it was the kind of straw that broke the, if God was a camel, it broke his back. And it was finally time to take a peek at the land that they were going to go to. And 12 spies, as we know, went there to check out the land. This is the, the final, this is, this, is, this is where they're going. This is the destination. This is what God took them out of Egypt to bring them to. And they saw the land, and they said, Oy vey, we can't do it. We don't want it. And they can have it. The, the people there are, are seven feet tall, eight feet tall, nine feet tall. I don't know what it is. I can't do it. I don't want it. You can go. I'd rather live in Florida. It's much nicer in Florida. They, they, there's, they got a pool in Florida. They got shade. There's no shade here whatsoever. So they, they, and then God just forget about it. We're done. We're done. Everybody that, all adults that I brought out of Egypt are going to die right here in the wilderness we're not budging until you're all dead, and the next generation's going to go in. Very, very tragic. This, that was last Torah portion. <laughs> this Torah portion, now we got the rebellion. Now, I don't know if the rebellion started because of what happened last Torah portion, but um, it's, again, just a tragic thing. So Val articulated it well, and I'll out- articulate it again, not so well. 
So Korah, or in Hebrew, Korach, or in the Ashkenazic dialect, Koirich, um, went to Moses with 250 leaders of Israel. 250 leaders. They go to Moses and they go to Aaron and they say exactly what Val said. Who made you boss? Who put you above us? The whole congregation is holy. And God walks among all of us. Another translation, which I love, says God walks within all of us. So who are you to put yourself above us, and who is this Aaron to become high priest? So if you don't know the rest of the story, I will summarize the rest of the story. Back on their faces go Moses and Aaron. They get up, they said, you know, you're not really rebelling against us, you're rebelling against the Lord, because he's the one who put this thing together. But tomorrow, all you 250 can pick up your censers, burn some incense on these little censers. Aaron's going to do the same thing, and we'll see who the Lord chooses. Those 250 got zapped from heaven by God dead, and Korah and his company swallowed up by the earth. Moses said, if you guys die a death of a normal human, like you, you, know, you get sick or something, and you die, or you just die of old age, then not, I, I, was not, I was not installed as your leader and Moses wasn't, and Aaron wasn't installed as your leader from God. But if you, if you die as a weird death, like the ground opens up and swallows you, then you'll know <laughs> that God put us in charge. The ground opens up, swallows them, closes up, and that was the end of that. <laughs> so down they go to Sheol alive. The opposite of what happened to Elijah. You know, he goes taken up to heaven alive. These guys go down to hell alive. It's just, it's a hot mess. It's just not a good situation at all. The next day, the entire congregation of Israel rebels, all of them, against Moses and Aaron the same way. I mean, he had the roughest rabbi job ever. <laughs> Forget about it. You know, so it was a really, really rough time. So uh, in project management, I'm a project manager, uh, at the end of a project, we have a little something called, which I hate the word, it's called a post-mortem. <laughs> now, a post-mortem makes sense when you're doing an autopsy, but in a, in a project management sense, a post-mortem is taking a look at everything that happened and take a look at the good, the bad, what worked, what, what didn't go, what was successful, what was unsuccessful. So I'd like to do a little bit of a post-mortem over this chorus situation and, and see what could have been done a little bit better because apparently something went very wrong. So number one, the interesting thing I want to point out is if you look at the things that Korah spoke about, what was so wrong with them? What was so wrong? All he said is that Moses and Aaron, we're all holy. You're no more holy than we are. It's true. He said God walks among all of us. It's true. So he was saying, why do we need you to be a high priest, Aaron? The high priest has higher functions. The high, the high priest goes into the tabernacle once a year, does the Yom Kippur service. The high priest does specific things, bears the burdens of the congregation of Israel. The high priest does specific things. Korah was a big dude. He was a Levite. He was one of the Leviim. He had very important duties. He was also elevated to a certain position. It was like Aaron was the rabbi and Korah was an elder. 
Like, he had a pretty important position. If you read the Torah, he took care of the menorah. He took care of the Ark of the Covenant when they had to pack up and go and move and unpack and reset things up. He had a pretty intense, very important job. But he went to Moses and Aaron and said, we're all the same. Well, what's so wrong with that? In fact, it was very forward thinking. If you look at the prophets, Jeremiah said the day is coming when nobody's going to need to be taught by anyone else. Know the Lord, for all will know the Lord from the least to the greatest. So my job as rabbi is quite temporary. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. So he was very forward thinking. If you look at, at, at the New Testament, the veil was rent. So we can all go in, not just the high priest. We all go into the Holy of Holies. We look at, it says, there's no male, no female, no Jew and Gentile. We're all the same. We're all holy. So what did Korah do so wrong? The reality is, in God's economy, the unity that Korah was describing that we're all the same in that way, in, in our function. It sounds like a very unifying message that Korah brought. He wanted to bring unity. We're all together. We're all the same. The reality of it is, unity in God's kingdom is everybody operating according to their own gifts and callings, and doing so completing each other. That is biblical kingdom unity. It's not that everybody becomes the high priest. Some people are called to that. It's not that everybody becomes a Levite. Some people are called to that. Some people in a congregation are called to be a pastor or a rabbi. Some people are called to be elders. Some people are called to be on a worship team. Some people are called to be on a prayer team. Some do the sound. Some do the PowerPoint. Some do this. Some do that. The body works with individual parts doing their God-ordained part. It's not that everybody does the same thing. In God's kingdom economy, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's, the body is like us, it's like a symphony. Where you have, you know, instruments, there are some instruments that seem to get more honor, right? You know, the ones like the string section that's doing this amazing solo. You know, they're the ones that get the standing O at the end, right? You know, but then you got the guy with the big cymbals in the back that waits for his time and goes, like once in the whole symphony. But do you know what? The symphony would not be complete without him. It would be an imperfect orchestration because it wouldn't match what the conductor and what the writer of that symphony envisioned. He envisioned a symbol going once. And it doesn't matter that he didn't get the greatest applause at the end. God applauds everyone equally. He applauds the amazing string section that, that does this amazing thing. The rock band with the flying V guitar. You know, he gets all the applause. The bass, the bass player at the, the, band, at the, with the rock band, you know, he's, that's why he's in the back. He's the personality list one guy in the back. Just, you know, just kind of stands there. But from God's perspective, when everybody does their part, that is kingdom unity. 
if the cymbal guy says, why can't I play just as much as the string guy? And it goes, <laughs> that's not unity, nor is it music. Music is when everybody plays the part that they were given. And in the kingdom reality, it's said, Paul says some are given honor, but more honor is given to the lesser parts. So there could be no division in the body. So that was one mistake that Korah made. He didn't understand that unity is not just everybody doing the same thing. It's not everybody being the priest, even though prophetically he was right. We're a nation of priests. But Aaron had his function, Korah had his function, and when it all works together, that is kingdom unity. Now, the part where Korah, I think, really messed up is where you got to read between the lines. And if you allow me to go between the lines into what is not written, I'm going to take you there. Korah rose up against Moses with 250 men. That type of rebellion doesn't happen overnight. The seed, the root of jealousy, of bitterness, of resentment started in the past. Something happened with Korah. Maybe it, was, maybe it was last Torah portion when Moses said, sorry guys, you're all going to die here, including me. Or maybe it was way back in the beginning of Torah when, when Moses first put Aaron, his brother, by the way. Can you say nepotism? Aaron, it, Moses put his brother as the high priest. Of all the Levites, he put his brother as the high priest and his brother's sons throughout history. Perhaps it was way back then that Korah went, huh, I don't think that's right. And a root of bitterness sprung up. An evil root of jealousy sprung up in the past in Korah that was left unchecked, that he did not go to anyone to get prayer over, to repent about, he let the thing build. And Satan is a liar. And Satan will use something that sounds like truth to salt and pepper his lie to make it look good and taste good. We're all holy. We're all a kingdom of priests. All scripture, that is the lie of the kingdom of darkness. It will take a root, a bitter, evil root, sprinkle it with things that sound very holy. Yeshua, jump off the ledge. Doesn't it say he will charge his angels concerning you? Use scripture against Yeshua himself. This is what evil does. It's an evil root, and then it will surround it with seeming truth. Truth, biblical truth sometimes. This is why we always must be in the Spirit to recognize when what we are feeling has a bitter 
root, an evil demonic root in it, and to know when to squelch that and to squash it, to say, you know what, I recognize you. I am not paying any attention to you. Get out. If Korah went to somebody and repented years ago, maybe in our post-mortem, this could have all been avoided. And in the unity that we have, I cannot overemphasize how much we need each other. Now, I don't gear my sermons towards current events, especially politics. If a liberal Democrat's in office, I go, Baruch Hashem, Mashiach is coming back soon. I know it. If a strong Republican conservative's in office, I'm like, Baruch Hashem, it must be that Yeshua is coming back soon. That's why I have a habit of writing in Yeshua at the ballot box, and I encourage everyone to do that. You'll always be right. It's a good vote. Won't disappoint. So I don't gear my, 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 I don't gear my, 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 my energies towards the news stories that goes up and down, that go up and down and wax and wane, and this is important, and oh my gosh, and you know, this, this happened in the world. Uh-oh, you know. It's, it's all just set up to the return of the Messiah. All of it. But uh, there's a recent news story of um, how Anthony Bourdain, uh, the Discovery Channel guy, committed suicide. And there's a lot of energy I see on social media of how we need each other and how if you're struggling, reach out. And Kate Spade. Well, about a week before that, God gave me this word to give. So it's not based on Anthony Bourdain. It was something he gave before. So maybe in this hearing, God is saying something in spirit of how we need each other when we're struggling, even struggling in our thoughts. And this is critically important. It says in scripture, bear each other's burdens. And in doing so, fulfilling Torah HaMashiach, the law of Messiah. And bearing each other's burdens is actually a priestly function. That's the role of the priest, to bear each other's burdens. And because Messiah bore our sins and bore our burdens, so should we bear the burdens of each other. That is what a kingdom of priest, priests do. This is why, Aaron, it's an amazing thing. When, when the plague came, when all the congregation rebelled against Moses after Korah, the next day, all the congregation and a plague went around the camp and started to kill people, Aaron took his censer and ran in. It says, between the living and the dead. This is a righteous person going into an environment of unrighteous people dying because of their unrighteousness. Aaron, in his righteousness, runs in there with his incense, which is prayers, and stops the plague. That's the role of a priest. To run in where God's judgment is happening, where unrighteousness is happening, and because you are living a righteous life as a priest, you go in there. That's what Aaron did. So that is a priestly function to bear the burdens of the congregation, to bear each other's burdens. There's a scripture in James. It's very, very common, very popular. It says the effective prayer of the righteous avails 
much. The verse just before that, I think it's actually the same verse, says, pray with each other and confess your sins to each other and be healed. So let me repeat that. Pray for each other and confess your sins to each other so you can be healed. Now, how many of us pray for each other? Decent amount. How many confess our sins to each other? I tell you right now that confessing sins to each other is medicine in the bottle left on the shelf. Given to us by God because we think I'm just going to confess it to God. But the scripture says confess it to each other. You know, in, in the beginnings, in, uh, in Genesis, when creation first happened and God created man, God said it is not good for man to be alone. Well, Adam already had God. He wasn't alone. All I need is God. You ever, have you ever feel that way? We feel that way? All I need is God. I don't need anybody. All I need is God. I understand the spirit of what you're saying, but that is not how God created us. It is not good for man to be alone. He told that to a man who already had God and had a deep relationship with him. We need, we need, we need each other. Pray for each other. Confess your sins to each other. Now, that's challenging. But, you know, it says in Scripture that nothing, uh, no temptation will overtake you except what is common to man. You know what that means? What you're dealing with is not so unique as you think. Not as unique as you think. You ever feel that what I'm struggling with in my head or whatever it is, is completely unique? Nobody can relate to what I'm going through. I'm the only one going through this. Well, Scripture says otherwise. It says that if the temptation you have is not uncommon to man, which means that it's a double negative. Double negatives confuse me. But what it means is that it's common to man, which means you're not the only one dealing with it. So this fear, like, I can't tell anybody this, is actually a lie from the enemy. Because the enemy works in secrecy and in darkness. And sin and, and, and struggles flee from the light. And when we bring things to the light, to each other, it loses its power. Confessing our sins to each other is medicine from God, because it says do it and be healed. It's medicine from God, too often left on the shelf, collecting dust. All right, a little private, personal example. God healed me from going to strip joints in a moment. In a moment. I was doing it, and I wasn't. God healed me from pornography gradually over years. The last time I sought out pornography was about probably eight years ago. I was 
in this congregation as an elder, and I slipped. And I went upstairs to where we were living, turned on the computer, found some pornography, watched it for a few minutes, and that was that. That was, by the way, the last time I ever did that. Um, the next day, I felt so guilty, I certainly confessed to God. I said, God, I'm so sorry. And it wasn't enough. So I'm like, who am I going to confess this to? Rabbi Peter, of course. So I called up Rabbi Peter. I remember I was at Penn Station, New York, because I was working in New York City at the time, living here in Rhode Island. And I was in Penn Station waiting for my Amtrak to get home. And I called Rabbi Peter from, from the waiting area, the Amtrak waiting area. And I said, Rabbi, I, I messed up. I watched pornography, and I want to repent. And he said, I forgive you, but if you think Susie can handle that, consider repenting to her. And I went, uh, do I have to? And he said, no. He said, if you, if you feel, if you feel that she can handle it, do it. I said, okay, I'll consider it. Reality of it is, men, that our wives are much stronger than we give them credit for. And I went to Susie, and I actually went prostrate on the ground before her. It is prostrate, right, not prostate. So I went prostrate before her, and I told her what I did. And, and uh, it was rough. And Susie and I cried. And Susie cried. About a half hour, we were both crying, tears of love for each other, and hugging. Okay, an hour. A day? I do. <laughs> Susie wound up even repenting for things. You know, Paul said, when I am weak, I am strong. When I am weak, I am strong. How can you be weak and strong at the same time? What does he mean when I am weak, I am strong? Well, I'll tell you in the plain sense what he meant. He just meant that God's grace is sufficient. That's what he meant. He said, when I'm weak, God's grace strengthens me. So when I'm weak, I have his grace, so I'm strong but I'm going to do a midrash on it, and I'm going to tell you another meaning that I feel is coming from the Holy Spirit. When I am weak, I am strong. Who here is feeling weak? Anybody feeling weak? Anybody feeling weak? Donna, come up. <laughs> come up, Donna. When I am weak, who here is feeling strong? Come on, Susie. This, I don't care what side you stay on, this is our unity. When I am weak, I am strong. It is much truer that the members of the body which seem weaker are necessary. You're necessary. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. 
and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. Who else feels strong today? Come, Martha. Those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. Who else feels strong today? Anyone else feel strong? <laughs> Come on, Chris. And the members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which has lacked. So that there be no division in the body. But that members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. It says that there are no division. Now, we seem to have at least physical division. We're here together like once a week. Most of us don't speak that much during the week. I'm always blessed when I hear you guys are hanging. That's really cool. But most of the time, we get together on a Saturday. So it seems that we're apart. But we're not, because this is really what it looks like in spirit, because there is no division among us. Can you put this on your heart and pin it to your heart? Anybody want in on this? Pin it to your heart. This is really how we're connected. It may seem that we're not but we are. So if you are weak, and if you're in a place of weakness, just tug. And there is no division, because it's not just one-to-one. -one. On your heart, the Donna chain. <laughs> Put this on your heart. Anybody else want in on this? on your heart. So if you are struggling, the enemy wants you to keep it inside. The Spirit of God wants you to just tug. <laughs> Don't forget to tug. Don't forget to tug. We are connected. We need each other. You need everyone here. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense. Do you know that you may be my one defense from a sin or a thought taking over me, 
you might be my one defense, my righteousness. Yeshua became sin so we can be the righteousness of God. So if I am struggling with sin, your righteousness strengthens me. And if you are struggling, if you are weak, the strength of another will strengthen you. Korah got sucked into the earth. The earth is symbolic of flesh, natural. Flesh, earth, consumed Korah. Don't let earth consume you. Reach out to each other. Confess your sins to each other. It will be okay and be healed. Korah did not need to get sucked into the earth. And neither do you. Hashtag just tug. Amen.